Hi, friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 8, Sasha continues her series on strategies to advance in your professional life. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. I'm super excited that you tuned in today. We are going to be talking about time management, probably one of the biggest topics that I get asked every time I am either on a podcast or I give a talk uh, somewhere or I meet women or even emails. I receive private messages, DMs. Always I get this question, how do you manage your time? So we're going to get into that. And before we do, I'm so excited to tell you that I have written a book called Between Grit and Grace. And if you had to summarize the book in two or three words, I would say it's, it's okay. (laughs) You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's really written for the professional woman who, like so many of us, finds herself facing backlash for her own authenticity. I truly believe that women should be able to come to whatever table and belong without having to sacrifice who they are. And that's what the book is. It's about my journey and how I learned to really embrace my authentic self, the struggles, the failures that I went through in the last decade of my life. And it's packed with wisdom from over 30 successful women, CEOs, lawyers, physicians, who have found themselves in similar situations. And I just pulled pearls from all these really wise women and packed them in the book. And so I'm going to be doing a book club for my community. And if you're interested, you can go to becomebraveenough.com and sign up to get on my mailing list. That's the best way to learn about the book club. You're going to get an early release of the first two chapters, and we're going to talk about it before the book comes out in February. So if that's something that would interest you, just head on over there and send me an email too. I would love to hear from you. I love answering questions on the show. I get so many questions on time management that I decided to do an entire podcast about it today. We are in the middle of this four-part series called Strategies to Advance, and I lead a coaching class for women twice a year. And many of the things that come up in my coaching classes are very common, similar themes. And they're really when women feel that they don't have the opportunity to advance or they don't have the opportunity to live their values, meaning they have a conflict with their work life and their home life, or they have a conflict with who they are authentically in the workplace and they're facing backlash. And so that's why I thought I would do a four part series. And we've talked about it in the first two series. If you have not listened, I would go back and listen to those first two podcasts because we're going to really build on some similar themes today. The first one was about goal setting, really figuring out what your true goals are and how to really tease out illusion goals and being on the wrong path, even when you're successful at something versus really following your true goals and what, how those align with your values. And then the second episode was about networking and how to put yourself in a place and position your place around the people you need to, in order to get what you need in your workspaces. And then today we're going to talk about time management. And the reason for this is because this is something that we are pretty much facing in our lives every day as women is time management, constantly a stress. 
I don't know about you, but there's weeks where I get to Friday night and I just feel like I don't even know that I could put a whole sentence together. In fact, numerous times I'll come home and it'll be a Friday night. My husband will have one look at me and be like, you need to go to bed. (laughs) You need, you are so grumpy. You are so tired that the kids and I are going to go to a movie and you're going to hang out at home and just kind of put yourself back together. I don't know if you've ever had those moments, but those are the weeks where I feel like I, my life is spinning out of control and the things, the duties that I have, the tasks that I have, the people that I'm responsible for are overwhelming me and I'm constantly behind. And I may be working 16 hour days, but I feel like I cannot catch up. And so I'm, I don't want you to feel that way. I know what that's like. I feel like that quite often. And I know what I need to do to not feel that way. And I want to share those pearls with you today because a measure of preparation saves so much of that feeling of overwhelm. And I honestly feel like in our society today, our biggest enemy is busyness. Our biggest enemy is not a person. It's actually the feeling of constantly needing to be busy and feeling overwhelmed. So I want to break that down for you today, because if you aren't able to really step back and see what needs to change in your life to stop feeling like you're on this rat race all the time, guess what? You're not going to advance. You're not going to advance in your relationships. You're not going to advance in your workplaces and you're not going to advance on a personal level internally. And so I'm hoping that I can share with you some pearls that I have learned that really help me. So I'm going to bust some myths. I've been busting myths for the, like the last three episodes, which is kind of fun. I don't know. I feel like I'm some secret Mythbuster Is that even a person? I feel like I need a t-shirt that says that or something. <laughs> so the first myth that I'm going to bust today is I hear this all the time. I just need more time and then I would be less busy. Actually, if I gave you more time, you'd probably be more busy. So it's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. And what that means is we have to be able to really step back and take an assessment of how we spend our time. And it's interesting when we actually start looking at the things that we are spending our time on and how we can change that and alter those to spend the time to align with our values. And if you've never done a time record, if you haven't gone back recently and looked at your week before and said, where did I spend the book of my time? How much time did I spend on my device? How much time did I spend on social media? How much time did I spend actually sitting at my computer checking email? How many time, much time did I spend with my family? How much time did I spend on my health and exercise and my own self-care? How much time did I spend sleeping? If you haven't done an assessment, I would really tell you that's the first thing you should do because oftentimes we think we just need more time, but what we really need is to actually take an assessment of our time because so often we are, have habits that are obstructing our ability to get things done. So the first thing is take an assessment, sit down tonight, sit down tomorrow and actually look at the last week of your life and add up in the, in a 24 hour day, what the average amount of time that you are doing with, with certain activities. It's going to be quite shocking, I bet. And when you do these assessments, it's so eye opening. For example, I have non-clinical time that I have in my office that's set aside. And these days are given randomly and it's not the same day every week. So I really have to utilize this time. And I look forward to this time. And I can tell you, if I don't plan 
the day and how I'm going to spend this time, then I fall trap to allowing interruptions. So people will come in and say, can I talk to you for a minute? And all of a sudden another person will say, can you, can I talk to you for a minute? And if I don't have, if I don't, if I have not scheduled the time that like this hour I'm going to write. So I put a sign on the door that says I'm writing, please do not disturb. Guess what? I don't get the writing done because people come in and interrupt me. Or if I say, I'm going to turn off my phone, I'm going to turn off my computer. I'm not checking email for these two hours because I'm going to work on this abstract or paper or project or whatever it is, review these echoes. If I don't do that, then all of a sudden my time is gone and I go home at the end of the day and I feel like I've wasted a 10 hour day that I really could have used a lot of productivity. So interruptions are key. Speaking of interruptions, this brings us to myth number two. Myth number two is... I need to answer email ASAP to keep my inbox at bay. Actually, that's not true. No one dies from you not, you know, answering an email. I work in medicine and oftentimes I get these emails that are like, oh my gosh, you have to answer or respond right away. And I just laugh to myself because I think, actually, I know what I need to respond to right away. Those are things like emergent calls from the operating room. or hypotension or, you know, hypoxia. Those are things that actually I have to respond to within five seconds or someone dies. No one dies from you setting aside time to answer an email. So what happens is if you're like me and I did this for years, I would get an email and I would be standing at the grocery store or I would be standing on the sideline of my son's game or I would be, you know, at church or whatever. And an email would come, a work email. Now I'm not at work. This isn't my office day, but a work email would come. And the stress of it just kind of hanging around, I would think, well, I can just answer this email. It's going to take like 30 seconds. And so I started answering emails. Well, when you respond like that really quickly, guess what? You get a reputation that you answer emails right away. And so you are 24 seven on available. It's true. And if somebody really needs to get a hold of you and they need you emergently, they're going to call you or text you. So I have totally changed this in my own life. And I've noticed a radical change. I do not answer work emails at nights or weekends anymore. If I can avoid it at any cost, I just don't do it. I used to do it all the time. And now I don't, I set aside time to answer emails because you know what happens most of the time within 24 to 48 hours, the problem has been solved and by someone else on the email and they don't even need my input. The second thing is I have more focused. I'm not emotional when I'm answering the email. So I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated because I'm actually doing something at home. I have more time and attention and I can actually get a better response in than if I'm standing at the grocery store. So what this has done is people know that I don't answer emails at nights and weekends anymore. I used to all the time. Guess what? They don't email me unless they need something and they know that it can wait till the next day. So I would really strongly recommend you to not answer your emails right away. If you can at all avoid it. One of the things that I've done because I'm so type a that it bothers me to know that I have an email that I haven't read. I have moved my work email to a different app and I've sent it to the last page on my iPhone. So my home screen does not have my work email. That has been huge for me. Huge. Because if I see notifications, I want to read notifications. Um, That's the third myth. I need to be notified when someone needs me. Actually, you don't. Okay. Social media is awesome. Um, in many regards, it allows us to connect to people. It allows us to meet people, to share ideas and innovation, and really to have a virtual community. And I have a lot of 
respect and love for many reasons on social media, but I don't live my life on social media. I live my life face to face and I am very honest about that. I don't spend every minute of the day on social media. I, I can't number one, I'm a physician. I'm taking care of people. And the second thing is I feel like I'm already on my phone for work reasons, like texting colleagues, texting surgeons, texting the plan, texting work issues, texting about academics. So I just don't get on social media during the work hours. And I would if I saw notifications because I'm very type A. So I know myself. So I've turned off all notifications. The other thing is I don't have notifications on email on my computer because if I am in my office and I'm working on a project and I'm writing something or I'm working on a PowerPoint or I'm working on some something, some data set, if my if I know if my computer dings, it's going to be really hard for me to ignore that and just keep working. But it's so crucial for me to take big chunks of time and work on these projects. So I have notifications turned off. This is another tip that really is important that you do not have to be available all the time to someone. So turning off your notifications, moving your email off of your home screen, these are all things that allow you to, for utilization of time management. And I really want to encourage you to do this. Now, the fourth myth is that if you have time in your week, you will get things done. This is probably the biggest myth People say, well, I have an office day on Tuesday. I'm going to, I'll get stuff done then. I have time on Wednesday afternoon off. I'm going to achieve things then. That doesn't, then they get to that day and they don't get anything done. And it's because they haven't actually drilled down and been strategic about their time management. So what I do every Sunday is I sit down and I look at the week and it doesn't matter what I'm doing on a Sunday. I, even if I'm at the hospital, I use that time and I'm like, take a 10 minute break and I look at my upcoming week and it gives me serious peace to do this. So you, instead of causing me anxiety to look at my week, it's actually peaceful for me. And it brings me a lot of confidence when I know that I have planned my week. So what I do is I look at my calendar and I try to see like, Oh, I'm going to have an hour at the airport here, or I'm going to have two hours here in between finishing cases and picking up my son from basketball, or I'm going to have eight hour stretch here. So that means I can have no interruptions that day because that's the day I got to knock out this big project. And what I also do is I set time limits. So say I have an eight or 10 hour day that is like a blessing and it's in my office. I will say, I'm going to work on these four projects. Now, what I used to do is say, oh my gosh, I got to get this paper done and I got to revise those edits and I got to work on a PowerPoint. I'm going to try to get all that done in eight hours or 10 hours. I would do it and I would not get it. I would get maybe one of the three things done and I would go home and I would feel so defeated. So now what I do is I set a timer and I set time limits and I put a sign on my door even that says, please, not, please do not disturb. I turn off all notifications and I say, okay, from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'm working on this project and I'm going to bust my butt on this project for two hours and I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. And then from 10:15 to 12:30, I'm going to dive into this lecture that I need to do. And even if I'm not done at 12:30, I'm stopping because I've worked two solid hours on it. And then I'm going to go into the manuscript, manuscript um, edits and I'm going to spend three hours on manuscript edits. Even if I'm not done, I'm stopping at three hours. What, how does that make me feel? 
Well, at the end of the day, I've accomplished the maximum amount of work I could do on each project for a specific amount of time. And this is how I keep everything kind of inching forward. Instead of doing one project at a time, I'm a multitasker, so I have multiple projects going, but I designate time ahead of time on Sunday for each one of those things and when I'm going to talk about it and I uh, and work on it. And I also do that for with friendships. For example, if I know, okay, I'm going to be going from here to here and I have an hour and a half, I will schedule to meet a friend and have a cup of coffee then because to me, relationships are really important. And if I don't plan them in my week, they don't happen. So I do that. I'll, I'll say, or I'll even schedule a call with a friend that's out of town. Hey, can you talk on Tuesday at 4.30 because I'm going to be driving to get kid Y and drop him off place X. And it allows me to feel like I'm in control of my week. I also always try to leave myself an hour of white space somewhere in the week, even if it's a, you know, chair massage at an airport. <laughs> I'm like, okay, where's my white space, which is what I call time for Sasha. And that's how I really plan my week. And if it, if I don't plan my week on Sunday, it just, it doesn't, I, I'm not productive. You guys, I, I can't get stuff done. I plan when I'm going to exercise. I plan when I'm going to sit and read, even if it's for 30 minutes. And I'm really protective. I have strong boundaries around those times because something always comes up and will always intervene and will always interrupt you. And you have to just really stop those interruptions and the busyness. And then the last myth, and this is probably going to be the most controversial one. If I start a project, I got to finish it. Well, this is from a chronic finisher. (laughs) I am a finisher. I love to finish things. And I, I have a deep sense that if I haven't finished something that I have failed at it. And I remember early in my career, I had done a research project and then I had written a paper to publish the results. And I'd spent a lot of work and time and effort. It was one of the very first projects I'd ever done. So I was very green. I didn't know how to do things efficiently. It it took me forever to write the IRB and to get the approval and to enroll patients and all this. And I was really proud of this work. And I went to publish the paper and I wrote it all up and I got rejected and I was devastated. So I sent it, I did revisions. I sent it to another journal and I got rejected. Oh, I was heartbroken, heartbroken. So I went to a mentor of mine who is in a different institution on the East coast. And I called him and I said, can I send you this paper? Cause I can't get it published and it's really bothering me. And he said, sure, I'll take a look at it. And so he looked at it and he called me back and he, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Sasha, sometimes you got to know when to cut bait. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't throw this paper away. I've worked so hard. And he said, well, why don't we take this one data set out of the paper and publish that? Would that be a win to you? And honestly, it didn't feel like a win. It felt like a failure. I was so discouraged, but I was wasting so much time on this paper and project, desperate to get it published. And he said to me, how many hours do you think you've worked on this? And I kind of froze because when I started adding up the hours, it was enormous. And he said, you know, a good, a a really good productivity scientist knows when to cut bait. And man, that was a hard lesson for me. It was such a hard lesson for me because I don't, I don't like to quit things. <laughs> I really hate quitting. And I feel, I felt like a quitter. I felt like a failure, but it was such a good lesson because I can tell you, I've, you know, published probably close to 50 articles and 
there's probably three or to five articles I've written that I never published because I got them rejected and I didn't, I knew that the work to rewrite it was going to be so great versus the yield of the publication that it was just time for me to give up. And those still haunt me, but it was a smart move. It was a smart move for me at that time to move on to another thing. So sometimes when we're working on something that is really not fruitful, it's not yielding an outcome. It's not, it's not resulting in anything. It's better to quit halfway through the project than to kill yourself and keep doing something and never, it, you know that it's never going to result in anything because you're just wasting your time. Learn from it, grow from it, take what you need from that experience, but move on. Sometimes you just got to move on. So I hope I've given you some tips for time management. How you manage your time is so important. And until you do an inventory, you may be spending time on things that you're like, whoa, I didn't even realize I was spending time on this project that I don't even get paid for. Um, Another common thing I hear women say when they do the the time inventory is, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how much other people were stealing my time and I need to set some boundaries. So it's really interesting. And I think that we often think we have to be available at all times to everyone. We don't. You will never get anything accomplished if you're available 24-7. We think we have to be notified when someone needs us online or a notification or email. You don't. And really, it's about setting clear boundaries. That's when you are actually able to manage your time. And then we think that if we have time, it'll manage itself. It won't. You have to manage it. And I really think that women, to advance, when you start to to manage your own time, you start to act empowered in the workplace. And when you act empowered in the workplace, guess what? You get power, (laughs) you advance. So that is what I really wanted to encourage you to do, to set strong boundaries, to claim your time and to really move yourself forward as the CEO of your own life. So thank you for tuning in today. And I'm super excited about my book launch. As I said, go to becomebraveenough.com. Check out Between Grit and Grace. I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope you'll find it fun. And I would love for you to be in the book club. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.